0: My interest in pedophiles began in the wake of the Jerry Sandusky trial. He had just been sentenced on 45 counts related to child sex abuse. It got me thinking about how all this starts, and if there's a way to prevent it. I mean, Sandusky wasn't born a 68-year-old child molester. How are the pedophiles when they start thinking about kids this way? Do they ever want to do something to stop themselves? And if they do, who can they turn to? I spoke to experts and dug around online. I came across a site, a group of people who acknowledge their attraction, but want help dealing with it. Most of the men I spoke with first noticed an interest in children when they were about 13 or 14. I had no idea. I asked how they reacted when they first knew something was up. For most of them, this was going back 40 or 50 years, and I realised that I needed to speak with younger guys, ones who are going through this right now. I asked the men if they knew anyone like that. And a week or so later, I got an email. My name is Adam at Red. I'm 18, and I'm the leader of a support group for pedophiles around my age. I would be very happy to talk with you. Adam is now 19. Just to remind you, Adam is in his real name, and his voice has been altered to protect his identity. But even knowing he'd be anonymous, he was uncomfortable.
1: Uh, you know, I'm nervous. Why? just don't think I'm a very vulgar person. It's even weird for me to say it out loud. You know, it's something I type probably, uh, you know, 50 times a day, just, you know, chatting uh, with some people online. But uh, actually saying it out loud is, you know, not very easy for me.
0: Do you see yourself as a pedophile? Uh, yes. And have you ever acted on your attraction? No. Here's the first of many distinctions I wasn't clear on when I first met Adam. And it's an important one to make. Technically, you don't have to act on your desires to be a pedophile. Pedophilia marks the attraction, not the behaviour. Adam doesn't want to act on his attractions. Adam is self-diagnosed, as is everyone in his online support group. They go by the medical definition of pedophilia found in the DSM, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, basically the Bible of the American Psychiatric Association, which says that, In order to be a pedophile, you have to harbour sexual fantasies about or engage sexually with a prepubescent child for six months or more. And you have to be 16 or above and more than five years older than the child. You also need to have either acted on these urges or the fantasies must cause distress or difficulty. Guys like Adam hit puberty and discover they're attracted to little kids. And what's remarkable is that they have to navigate that all on their own with no frame of reference. Everything they're going through, they have to figure out for themselves. At like 11. I was surprised when Adam first told me the specifics of his attraction. It was hard to relate to, and so you're prepared, difficult to hear. He's most attracted to kids between the ages of 8 and 3. He was 14 when he started watching porn. Porn involving children. For privacy he found a way to connect an old computer that he had in his room. Before long, he was downloading it on a daily basis. He couldn't believe how easy it was.
1: It was exhilarating. That's the most uh, accurate thing I could say about it.
0: I think for people, you know, who were listening to this, this show, when they hear that, it's going to be kind of hard for them to understand, you know, what you're feeling, and I really want them to. So can you tell me, like, did you have any concerns for the kid in the videos at this time? Like, did it occur that someone else was abusing them by making these videos?
1: No. First off, the, the first pornography I came across, uh, I don't think it even involved adults. You know, what I thought is, you know, I'd, I'd like to do these types of things. Uh, so, you know, it's great that I can watch other people, you know, who are closer to my age range do these types of things i just see you know two kids doing something that uh i fantasized about doing
0: so you know i'm one of the kids remember he was 14
1: and you know it was a little while later as you know i started watching the stuff uh you know more and more when i kind of realized that you know i was getting older uh and it wasn't some phase i was going through but you know the the children i was interested in weren't getting older you know to follow along with me but they were actually getting younger
0: did it strike you as wrong
1: at that no. age now <laughs> you know i knew i knew it was illegal um i knew it was considered wrong but i i did not know why it was considered wrong figured a, something that wasn't allowed I'd been using it for two years uh, before I started to think these children are are real people and, you know, they could potentially be hurt, you know, with this.
0: The way Adam figured it out was particularly brutal. He was 16 and he came across a video he wanted to unsee. There's no easy way to say this. It involved a very small child, an 18-month-old.
1: I remember uh, thinking that I wanted to reach through the computer screen and kill the person. I was just so horrified at what I saw. You know, at that point, you know, I knew knew something was really wrong.
0: He began reading up on child abuse and was upset at what he learned. He decided he wanted to stop watching child porn, and he needed help if he was going to do that. For that help, Adam turned back to the internet. He posted on a mental health forum, explaining his situation and asking for advice. Two women who were child abuse survivors befriended him. With their help, Adam says he stopped watching porn, but in its place grew a deep depression. It wasn't like he'd stopped having sexual thoughts about kids. He says he felt like a monster for having viewed the videos, but also just for having the attractions. Some days, He thought about killing himself. He didn't know what else to do. He was 16. He wanted to talk to someone. So he started with a cautious letter to his mum. Dear Mummy, it begins. I'm writing this letter to you as I cannot bring myself to say what I need to say to you, to your face. It would simply be too painful for me. I am always overshadowed with feelings of depression, guilt and shame. I'm really sick and tired of covering these feelings up. I want you to let me see a psychologist. I understand that you probably have a lot to ask me, but I need some time to get my head wrapped around things. Love, Adam. He didn't explain the source of the problem, and his mother never asked. Instead, she made him an appointment at a local therapist for a week or so later.
1: I remember it was a Friday morning. Uh, very early in the day, I was her first patient. Um, we got there even before she got there. And, you know, I was... I was just very nervous, you know. I knew exactly what was coming. I, I'd known for so long, you know, that I was going to walk in there and, you know, what I was going to say. Um, and you know, I'd I'd rehearsed it in my head.
0: And what was this script you had been playing over and over in your head?
1: I'm a pedophile and I'm addicted to child pornography. And you know, I, I remember I, I walked in there and you know we started talking. I'd. And then, you know, she kind of said, you know, so what are you here for? And I said, well, I'm, I'm very anxious. And, you know, she said, well, why are you anxious? Uh, and, you know, my, my heart was beating. I'd never been so uh, so terrified in my life. Um, but, you know, I, I uttered the words. I said, you know, well, this is, this is difficult to say, uh, but I'm a pedophile and I'm addicted to child pornography. And... I saw kind of a look of horror on her face, and she asked me to repeat that. She, she must have thought that she misheard me, you know, for something like that. But, you know, I repeated it, and, you know, immediately uh, she went from being, you know, this very nice, gentle person
0: to very
1: harsh and critical.
0: What did she say to you?
1: Well, she, she raised her voice, um, telling me, you know, like, this isn't Okay. And, you know, we, we talked we talked about it a bit. Um, you know, I I mentioned that, you know, at that point I'd been, I think, eleven weeks uh clean of uh, child pornography. But, you know, I was one I, I, I was just terrified um, you know, the whole time. And uh you know, I remember she tried, you know, talking with me about um about why why I have these attractions and um and uh, you know, she was she was obviously convinced, you know, that well, I, I had trouble talking with people my own age. So, you know, I was I felt less judged by younger kids and that's why I was interested in them. Um and that's you know, it's apparently um a very common thing for uh for you know therapists who aren't at all trained in this, you know, area to to think. So she um, didn't
0: even believe that you were a pedophile, just that you couldn't kind of make it with kids your own age, essentially, yeah? Is that what you're saying?
1: Yes. Yes.
0: And what did you say to her in response?
1: Oh well you know i I disagreed. I said, you know no i i I really firmly believe that's not the case you know um I know what I'm attracted to, and it's not like i'm you know i I had friends. it's not like I didn't have a single friend you know I said, look you know these these attractions are you know more intense than uh they are towards any adult i you know I've ever met or seen, and I'm really confident that it's not just you know, being scared to talk to people my own age.
0: Was it kind of weird or frustrating kind of disclosing this massive thing about yourself and then having to kind of just really drive it on home and prove it to her?
1: Yeah, it was definitely... um, It was annoying. Um, But, you know, I'll I'll tell you that the feeling that uh, overcame me most the whole time was uh, that I was being judged. Um, That's definitely what I felt most when I left later, um, you know, I considered writing an email to her, apologizing for dropping, you know, such a bombshell uh, on her. And I saw her again.
0: And what happened in that second session?
1: So she was a little calmer. You know, she'd obviously had some time to think about it. She basically told me, you know, pretty much instantly, you know, that she couldn't help me. Um, and... You know, she said that she'd looked around, but she couldn't really, you know, find much. Um, and then, you know, within a few minutes, she asked um, how I'd feel if she told my mother, you know, about what was going on. So, you know, first, uh, you know, my, my heart obviously started beating much faster, and, you know, I uh, became incredibly anxious. And, um, you know, I said, uh, you know, I, I, I really, I, I don't want to do that. So she, uh, you know, she left the room for a minute and then came back in with my mother.
2: And I sat down, and the first thing that I recall the therapist saying is, we've got a problem.
0: This is Adam's mom. Her voice has also been altered.
2: The therapist looked at me, and I, I can't remember her exact words, but it was something like,
1: adam is uh addicted to pornography and then she paused for a little bit and then she said you know a very specific type of pornography um then you know, she said it's child pornography
2: and she continued to say that she couldn't see him we then talked a little bit not details about what had been going on um And Adam did not contribute at all. He sat there just shaking and looking at the floor. And I do remember that she then turned to Adam and said, how do you feel? And he said, I feel like I'm going to throw up.
1: You know, my mother, I'm sure, reacted the the best I really could have hoped for. Um, You know, she kind of put her arm on my shoulder and, you know, squeezed a little bit, and, you know, she seemed to be supportive. I'm sure she was in shock and probably kind of horrified, but, you know, at least she was able to hide that. And the the fact that she was able to do that, um, it, it meant so much to me.
2: And I looked at him, although he wouldn't give me eye contact, I looked at him and I said... Adam, we're going to help with this, whatever it is, we can help with it, and don't worry, I'm with you.
0: On the car ride home, Adam told her that he wasn't just attracted to children, but also to adults.
1: You know, and I explained that I'd never, uh, you know, I'd never done anything to hurt someone before, um, and that I never would. Uh, You know, do something to hurt someone.
2: When I had moments to be alone afterwards, I was very devastated in realizing the enormity of what we were dealing with. I was shocked. It was the last thing that I could have fathomed that was a problem for him. There were absolutely no signs I have no earthly idea how Adam may have developed his attraction to children.
0: She and Adam both say he wasn't abused. His home life was stable, he had good relationships with his siblings. Adam's mum did find him a new therapist, one who specialised in porn addiction. This one didn't normally treat minors, and he was reluctant to take Adam on. She had to plead with him to accept her son as a client. He eventually agreed. She says until our interview, his two therapists are the only people she's spoken to about Adam's attractions. She hasn't told a friend, not a therapist of her own, not her husband. Right now, if a pedophile shows up in a therapist's office wanting treatment, that puts a therapist in a difficult situation. First, there are no guidelines on how to treat pedophiles who haven't offended, There's a lot of confusion in the field about how to handle them. Also, they're in a tough legal position. If a therapist thinks someone poses a threat to a child, they're legally obligated to turn them in because of mandatory reporting laws. They can lose their license if they don't. So when it comes to counselling a pedophile, therapists have to gauge how likely that person is to act. They're in a sticky situation where they have to make a judgement call about how dangerous someone is. Professor Elizabeth Letourneau is one of the top researchers on child sexual abuse in the world. She's done this work for 25 years. She says a great thing about mandatory reporting laws are that they've brought to light lots of crimes against children. But as it got more popular, she saw it affect the number of people reaching out for help.
3: Self-referrals for help really dried up and people uh, watched helplines just go silent um, because folks are too afraid to reach out for help. The consequences are, are too high.
0: Professor Letourneau is the director of the Moore Centre for the Prevention of Child Sexual Abuse at Johns Hopkins University. And it's with that mandate, the prevention of child sexual abuse, that she's pushing hard for research into people like Adam. Amazingly, there's very little research on pedophilia. We don't know much about the sexuality of adolescents, let alone what might make someone a pedophile.
3: It is a gigantic black hole in science.
0: Among the things we don't know... We don't know that there's a connection between being abused and developing an attraction to kids. Crazy, right? We don't know what's normal when it comes to the sexual development of children. It might be normal for a 12-year-old to be attracted to a six or eight-year-old. Another thing that has not been researched in depth is if having an attraction to kids makes it more dangerous to be around them. On its face, it seems obvious, but there is no evidence to support it. The research that we do have and this is from a very small sample size, suggests that pedophiles are more likely to be shorter, left-handed, and have a lower IQ. Another study says that being knocked unconscious before the age of 13 may be a factor. It shows just how little we've scratched the surface. For years, Latono has been trying to change all this, to get money for research and for prevention programs. But there's not much money for that, funders don't want to be associated with pedophilia research the stigma is too great even someone like letourneau who wants to do this research in order to prevent children from being abused has been called a pedophile sympathizer simply for advocating these programs
3: if we can prevent this we can prevent a lot of harm and a lot of cost Um, and we just we just don't we just don't. It's, it's nuanced, it's difficult to wrap your head around, it's a lot easier to say these guys are monsters, let's put them in prison, let's put them on a registry, let's put them in civil commitment facilities, and forget about them.
0: The place the research is most solid is the numbers. Studies suggest that an astonishingly large number of men are pedophiles. A respected survey by Michael Seto, Director of the Forensic Research Unit at the University of Ottawa, found that 3% of all men have sexually offended against a prepubescent child, though not all these men would be considered pedophiles. But he goes on to estimate that 1-3% to of men would meet the diagnostic criteria for pedophilia, which equates to anywhere between 1.2 million and 3.4 million pedophiles in the US alone. That means there are lots of people out there who are presumably try not to offend, with nowhere to turn to for help, there's almost no research to explain why they are the way they are, and no known treatment, which is how a teenager might conclude that his best option is to invent his own way forward. At 17, Adam started searching online for other guys like himself, young men struggling to deal with their attraction to kids, and some responded. They got to talking online, and soon there were a bunch of them communicating on a daily basis. Before long, Adam realized that he had inadvertently formed a support group for young pedophiles. There are currently nine members, ranging in age from 16 to 22, eight men and one woman. They communicate in the same way that any bunch of teenagers do. G-chat, text, email, the odd phone call or video chat. And there's usually at least a few people online each night. I've talked to five of them and met three of those in person. They all said they're glad to have found the group. And for most, it's the only outlet they have. Everyone I've spoken to has a story about how the group saved them. A 22-year-old college student told me this one.
3: There was a time when uh, when I was really running out of hope for the future. I felt, you know, I was unemployed and I felt like no one was going to give me a shot. And I felt like I had literally no shot in life. And I, I kind of wanted to kill myself. I didn't do it. The first thing I thought of was, especially Adam in specific, but the rest of them as well, I, I couldn't let them down like that.
0: The governing principle of the group is that you can only be a part of it if you agree that it's wrong to have sex with kids. There are other pedophile support groups online who feel the opposite, who advocate for the abolishment of age of consent laws. Others suggest that molesting children is wrong because it's illegal, but stop short of taking a moral stand. Adam's group absolutely takes a moral stand, a few times, he's found himself trying to convince potential members of the group that having sex with children is wrong, and occasionally Adam has to turn someone away.
1: There was one time, um, someone someone came in, um, and he admitted to me pretty much right away that he'd uh, he'd done uh, some sexual things with a uh, with a five-year-old kid, um, and you know, right then, then and there, I said, you know, we can't have you, um, you know. Y- First off, they're a risk, but what's more is I think that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'll i admit I have a bias. Um, I think we are better people uh, than those who, you know, who go out and uh, hurt kids.
0: Did you tell him that?
1: Uh, I explained to him, you know, to the best of my ability, that what he did was very wrong um, and that the most noble thing he could possibly do would be to... Uh, tell the kid's parents, um, so that at least that kid could get the help, you know, he might need.
0: And what was his response?
1: Uh, something like maybe.
0: In a different world, this person would be talking to a professional, not a 19-year-old, with no training at all. Or maybe this person would just be in prison. Here's another important distinction. Eight out of the nine in Adam's group say they are non-exclusive pedophiles, which means they are also attracted to their peers or adults, in addition to kids. That's important because researchers like Elizabeth Letourneau think it might be possible to push people like that to become more attracted to people their own age, if you start young.
3: Yeah, so through uh, hanging out with, the, with peers more often, engaging in fun things with peers more often, really increasing that, I really believe, at least for some kids, some portion of kids who are sexually attracted to children, it's changeable. I don't want to start with the premise that it's impossible.
0: When I first started talking to Letourneau a year and a half ago, she told me that in her 25 years in the field, she'd talked to lots of young guys who've abused children, but she'd never spoken to a pedophile who hasn't, which I found pretty incredible. I told her about Adam's group, and she asked if I could put them in touch. She's since spoken to several of them, and has been talking to Adam regularly. And she started to notice patterns. Patterns that she can use to inform a treatment plan that she's getting off the ground.
3: You know, before talking to, the, to Adam and the other young men, I didn't know when, when it really crystallized for them that this wasn't going away. I didn't know what the experiences were. I had no idea about the, the deep depression and the self-loathing and the fear that really characterized all of their
0: adolescence. While Letourneau is just starting to learn about what causes pedophilia and develop methods for treatment, Adam doesn't agree that he can be fixed. He doesn't hold out hope for the possibility of becoming something other than a pedophile. It took him years to figure it out in the first place.
1: The truth is, I know what my attractions are. I know they're there. By every definition of the medical term, I am one. Sometimes you really just know these things.
0: Adam says being a pedophile is something he'll spend the rest of his life battling. But he's committed to managing it. He's thought ahead to his future in a way that most 19-year-olds don't.
1: You know, I'd, I'd like a partner, obviously. You know, the the thought thought of having a kid is very scary. Um, I don't, I'm not convinced I, I could ever allow myself to do that, um, you know, as much as I may want it. Most, I think most people, you know, want kids um, at some point in their lives. And it's something that, well, I'm not saying I never will have. It's something I don't think I will have, you know, for, I guess, for both of our safeties.
0: Imagine being a teenager and being told never to act on your sexual feelings, ever, for the rest of your life. That's what we're asking of these people. At the moment, there is no clear plan for how to do that. But maybe there should be.